When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome into the DNVR Rockies podcast brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook. Right now, when you use code DNVR at signup, you can turn a $5 bet on any winner in the NBA Finals and get back 150 in free bets if that pick wins. Simple as that. It's DraftKings Sportsbook and code DNVR. I'm your host, Patrick Lyons. And joining me today, as he does each and every week, the voice of the Colorado Rockies for AT&T Sportsnet and the host of the Drew Goodman podcast. It's our good friend, Drew Goodman. What's going on, buddy? What? Not much, man. How are you? Good. I'm not. I'm not refreshed yet from the doubleheader, but uh, I am excited to have the world champs in town. I'm glad the Rockies were able to get two out of three, and boy, oh boy, Brendan Rodgers, man, made some nice history. Yeah, it was. It was a great day for Brendan. He's coming off a great month, and he's starting June uh, in, in a spectacular way. You know, there's a lot to unpack about his season so far, right? I mean, you, you really would have been hard-pressed to have a, uh, a more difficult month offensively than he had in April, especially for, you know, a guy that's, you know, sort of established himself as he did last year. And then the bounce-back month in May w- was tremendous. And, and then to go out and have the game two that he had yesterday in the doubleheader, good for him. And it just shows uh, not the I told you so type of, element to this where people were like oh send him back down we talked about it a little bit on the air yesterday and that is you have to understand especially in baseball patience and you have to understand process and for a guy that had already established himself at the big league level i'm not saying that that it, it it's completely out of the realm of possibility for any player uh to to go back down and that be helpful but uh, for him to go down to Albuquerque and hit 330 for, you know, a month and then come back up, he's still got to hit big league pitching. He's still got to figure it out when he slumps at this level. And to his uh, immense credit, he was able to do that. And it, it culminated in a in a fabulous game yesterday in game two that, you know, every one of his home runs and, and certainly the last one were necessary for the Rockies to to win it. Yeah, I think the only time that it makes sense for a move like that of sending a guy down to the minors when it seems like he's established himself at least somewhat is if the player isn't getting playing time, which, you know, Brennan is the starting second baseman. There's there's no one taking his spot, obviously. Uh, but we saw that with Dom Nunez, obviously, backup catcher where he's playing, you know, one every five days or so and just kind of got out of a rhythm, needs to play a little bit more. So you swap him for Brian Servant and you go, that makes sense. And you're going to have, you know, Nunez back here at some point, but for Rogers, obviously a totally situation with the year he had in 2021. And that question was asked to buddy about, Hey, was there ever that thought? But that's, yeah, I mean, I think we're, I think we're going through it right now with Herman Marquez and you go, well, what, what, what is he going to possibly learn? What, what can he benefit from going down to triple a? He's, he's got to figure out at the majors. It's, it can be rare sometimes for a guy to have to do that uh, in the big spotlight of the major leagues, but, Sometimes that's just what's right. You know, every every individual player is, is unique, so it depends on the on the given player. And I would second what you said about Herman. Now, we saw Kyle Freeland have an unbelievable 2018. He was fourth in the Cy Young voting in 2019. It was so tough that he needed to go down and and try to get right. So again, is it outside of the realm of possibility that that were to happen to Herman? No, though I would concur with you right now and, and second what Buddy has said when he's been asked about it and he was on the road trip in, in Washington specifically, uh, whether you'd skip him or something like that. He needs to figure it out uh, at this level. And what's interesting about, you know, specifically about his situation is that he'll go out and he'll have in an outing two or three innings where you say, boy, that looks a lot like Herman, you know, pretty quick innings. And, and, you know, early in the game, I think he had three strikeouts through the first couple of innings yesterday. And 
it's not just you know, he gives up a run in, in, in an inning. It always seems to be a crooked number. And I feel for him because he's searching, but it's not a reduction in velocity. It's not a reduction in crispness. It just underscores what we say all the time. Um, and I'm not trying to make us sound smarter than, than the average you know, Joe out there. But when it comes to pitching, we get intoxicated by velocity and we get intoxicated by stuff. And pitching comes down to exactly that, pitching, hitting locations. Because if you throw 98 in the middle of the plate or a flat slider at, at 88 to 90, even for guys who can throw a slider uh, at that velocity, guess what? At the big league level, more often than not, they get hit hard and sometimes they get hit out of the ballpark. So it is really all about locating, even when you have elite stuff, which Marquez does. That's precisely what Buddy said, you know, and again, going back to that game to start on Wednesday where he retired the first three guys in order before facing the bottom of the Marlins lineup who were just incredible uh, there uh, for them. And it, it's about that location. And, you know, some of it might be spin and, and obviously a manager has to protect his player, you know, to a degree. But, you know, Buddy can kind of pinpoint it down to three or four pitches and maybe two of those four pitches you got to, you know, tip your cap to the the opposing hitter for going down and, and maybe getting one or making the right pitch. But uh, the batter was able to kind of, you know, get his hands inside the ball, whatever it may be, drop a, a base hit in there to keep a rally going. And so it's 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 nice to to look at a, an outing of say five innings and four runs or six innings and and five earned runs and say really it only comes down to three or four pitches. But I feel like that's really what's happening with with Marquez. And once he can get over that hump, we might start to see more of those starts like we did in game two of the season against the Dodgers, where he went seven innings and, and only gave up the one earned run to one of the top teams in all baseball. Yeah. I mean, everybody in the Rockies organization and most notably Herman is, you know, itching to see that occur where he goes out and he's dominant for six or seven innings. And it's not, you know, four or five runs or more it's no runs or one run and that's it. And it's two or three hits and, and eight strikeouts and, and one walk and, and then be able to repeat that. And we've seen him do that a number of times. It's why he was an all-star last year. It's why he emerged a, a few years ago and was thought to be one of the top uh, pitchers and maybe one of the top unheralded pitchers in the national league. Uh, so it's in there and he's still a young guy. And as we said, there's no, there hasn't been a drop off in stuff. So he needs that. And, and collectively the Rockies need that because there there's a couple of areas you can point to that have been disappointing so far as the Rockies begin this series with Atlanta at 23 and 27 and defense stands out or lack thereof. And the other thing is starting pitching, which should be their strength. It was thought to be their strength going into the season. It was, um, you know, articulated as such. And they have not, as a group, really pitched well. I mean, they're at the, the bottom of, you know, of many of the league statistics, major league statistics, when it comes to uh, starting pitching. And even given Coors Field and, and the number of runs that, you know, typically are going to be relinquished there in comparison to other ballparks, uh, the, the starting pitching uh, needs to be much better. Yeah, I believe it's it's somewhat of a domino effect, as you said, with the defense where that's keeping the pitchers out there longer than they would like to. Obviously, you know, you're, you got to brush that off if your defense doesn't support you, but you're throwing extra pitches you don't need to, and, and that's going to you know add to the base runners uh, and, and a lot more traffic on the bases. So I think those things are, are somewhat tied tied together, but you're right. Starting pitching. And then even the, the offense too, you know, buddy said it's going to take five or six guys really coming together and, and clicking. Cause you can't have, you know, really any more than, than three guys who aren't getting it done. And really if we're talking about expectations versus reality, it's, it's been CJ Crone getting it done. Uh, we can, we can wipe the slate clean uh, on April with Brendan Rogers and say, okay, he's getting it done to a degree, Jose Iglesias. And then, you know, outside of that, a couple guys who've, you know, done their job, but I, I think there's a lot more in there. There's a lot more for Ryan McMahon to, to do to contribute 
offensively and 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 Charlie as well. We've seen Connor Joe kind of do it uh, a little bit here with his on base streak. Jonathan Daza there, but as Buddy pointed out, they've got to all be doing it at the same time with the defense doing their part and the starting pitching contributing as well. And they just haven't really aligned well enough. That being said, they're only four games under 500. I always call it baseball symmetry and you have to have baseball symmetry to win consistently. They haven't had baseball symmetry and they've been, um, you know, bad in a couple of areas that we touched on. They've been bad defensively, no other way to spin that. And they have not uh, pitched nearly as well as they can from a starting rotation standpoint. There's another four months of baseball. We're one day into June. And so there's plenty of time from a talent standpoint to say, yes, they have enough good players um, to be much better defensively. And they have uh, arms in that rotation that suggest they should be an improved rotation going forward, you know, if things align. Uh, So that's the good news when you talk about those two areas. Um, Offensively, they need to hit more home runs. Now, home runs are down throughout baseball. Crone's had a great year. He's had, he's had what we'll start talking about. I, I don't like to do it until usually a couple of weeks into June, but he's had an all-star first half. Uh, CJ, uh, excuse me, um, Charlie's come on. It's good to see that he has seven home runs, four out on the road at this juncture. He's on pace for what that's worth to, you know, he hit 25 home runs in that neighborhood, which is great. And a year ago, he hit 13 home runs and 11 were at Coors Field. Ryan McMahon we we were hoping could, you know, incrementally be better and maybe make that jump from a 22, 23, 24 home run guy to 27, 28, maybe even 30 and not on that pace right now. Could that change? Could, I mean, he's talented enough that in June, could he go and hit, you know, 10 home runs, that sort of thing? Absolutely. It could happen. And, And then you're probably winning a few more games because, you know, you're throwing a couple of more markers up on the board. Uh, Connor Joe has been pretty steady. We've seen a few home runs there. Brendan obviously has five now, three coming uh, in one game. Iglesias has been great, but they're not asking him to hit home runs. Daza has been tremendous, but he's not going to hit home runs. Uh, So that's why I think Buddy said what he did, that, you know, when it's Daza and and some of those other guys, Iglesias involved, you're really having a bunch hits. They haven't had, you know, the nightly three-run home run, uh, or the the multiple guys hitting home runs. And we'll see going forward if that that happens. At some point, Chris Bryan will be back in there. But, you know, Chris had not hit a home run in his first, whatever it was, 60, 70 at-bats prior to, to hurting the back. Uh, but they, they do have to hit the ballpark, uh, hit the ball out of the ballpark um, far more frequently than they have as well. And that was the big name, right? When you talk about expectations versus reality, because they haven't gotten anything, of course, out of Chris Bryant. So now you're you're going to your bench for those uh, extra ABs that obviously you're not getting quite as much pop out of. And you know, it it could even be time because on the farm, you know, Elias Montero is a guy that that does have that power. So you know, Bryant can get his health back. Uh, and again, you just there's no timetable. You just never know when it comes to to the back there when he'll be uh, returning to the Rockies, but Montero, you know, does have some pop in him. As you said, McMahon can still take another step forward. So there's definitely hope despite the, you know, how challenging the play has been losing, I think seven straight series before this win against the Marlins, uh, you know, signs are pointing upward a little bit. And even if you want to talk about the rotation pointing upward, you can talk about Ryan Feltner, who's looked really good over the last week. And it seems, uh, I feel pretty confident that he's going to be starting on Sunday here, especially because of the doubleheader threw off, you know, the, the typical uh, days off for Sensatella and Marquez. You I'm sure, cause you're, you're always number one and listening to my uh, weekly podcast when it comes out, I, I talk quite a bit about Ryan Feltner uh, on the one that um, uh, launched today. And I'm excited about Ryan Feltner. It's a combination of stuff. I think he has guile. I think he has toughness. Um, I think he's got the that chip on the shoulder I always like to talk about. And, uh, you know, he, he's able to miss bats, which the Rockies do not have many guys in their rotation who miss bats. Herman would be number one when things are right for him, the ability to get the strikeout. 
Otherwise, you got a lot of contact, uh, tight pitchers. I think Gomber can miss some bats. Obviously, looking forward to watching Austin tonight. I'm sure he'll bounce back from what was the most difficult uh, um, start uh, a few days ago on the road. Uh, but I, I think Feltner is a guy that has really nice upside, not back of the rotation upside, like middle, you know, strong middle of the rotation upside. And um, so one of the the nice stories that I, again, was talking about this week on the podcast, it's kind of developed through the first couple of months of the season is Feltner. Now I also talked a little bit about being um, really intrigued by Chad Smith and, and I remain so he had a great outing on the road. I mean, dominant eight, 98, 99 mile an hour turbo sinkers and a, and a nasty slider to get a punch out. And in his first uh, appearance at home, was the antithesis of what we saw on the road. He gave up, uh, you know, six runs, five earned. He was all over the place with his stuff. I'll attribute that to Nurse, first time pitching at Coors Field, and let it go at that. But um, uh, in particular, uh, I'm, I'm excited about Ryan Feltner. And I, and I think, and I talked about this, Patrick, I think he showed a lot the other day when he gave up that that monstrous home run to Jesus Sanchez, and he came right back and he was dealing after that. He, he didn't get uh, rattled by uh, the home run and certainly the the length of that home run. Yeah, that was just in Sanchez's wheelhouse. Like, he lost his balance on it. It was just one of those where he, he turned on it quite in, impressively. So, yeah, Feltner, I think it, the Rockies, let's face it, have had bad luck when it comes to these young guys – contributing to the big league roster, Peter Lambert, you know, you got a little excited about him in 2019 before the arm issue in, in 2020 uh, that wiped that out needing Tommy John, Ryan Rawlison here has been able to get himself right. We'll see what happens. Uh, I know they're, they're going to check him out here uh, pretty soon and I'm not sure if the diagnosis is going to be positive or otherwise. So Rocky's luck has to break here at some point. And, and so you got to hope that Feltner stays healthy and, and continues to do what he's doing because obviously all of those, all that potential is there. All those pieces are, are kind of lining up for him to, to contribute. And then you have yourself a really good problem. You've got six starters for only five spots. You need more than that. I mean, you know that Patrick, uh, I think I've said this to you before uh, on your podcast, and that is that there's three guarantees in life, uh, death, taxes, and pitchers get hurt. And the, you know, elite teams, you have to have pitching, pitching wins at every level. You've heard me get on that soapbox many, many times, uh, but you got to have a number of them, not just the fill-in guy that you have your fingers crossed, you know, can, can get you through a game, but a guy that you can call up as frequently the Dodgers do. And you say, wow, this guy, you know, this guy's legit. So the more guys that you have that are quote unquote legit, like Orion Feltner, uh, the better, the better you're going to be. And yeah, you need some of those other elements of the game to improve that we touched on. And hopefully they will over the next four months, um, you know, namely defense and, you know, more balls hit out of the ballpark, that sort of thing. But you can't have enough starting pitching uh, lined up. You just can't. Well, if we're talking about making a big impact, you know you're going to get that when you're down on the corner of Colfax and York at the DNVR bar where members, you know, you get that member-sized beer, you get those extra raffle tickets at all of our watch parties, especially those Avs ones that are always popping off. You can win some free gear at those events. You get access to our members-only Discord, price breaks at Broncos tailgates and the party buses that we've been doing it's only 50 cents for your first month and of course with an annual membership when you go all in boom you get a free shirt from dnvrlocker.com and since you are out of doors probably a lot more than you've been in the past with the weather getting to be a little bit nicer yeah maybe a bit wet and damp but a bit more comfortable less sweaty less of the sun beating down on you well guess what you got to keep your joints and your muscles in tip-top shape that's where the relief and recovery creams from Escape Artist comes in. It's the highest awarded topical brand in Colorado that prioritizes quality and consistency. So much so that you're not gonna have to worry about your sheets or your clothes getting greasy. It's not gonna get stained, nothing like that. And that is the biggest thing that I notice with the other products that are out there on the market. Best part is Escape Artist. 
is found at your local light shade dispensary, any of the 11 in the Denver metro area. While you're in there, you should know that light shade has a premium selection of cannabis concentrates, top shelf flowers, edibles, tinctures, accessories, and more. And now you can get 25% off non-sale items with code DNVR when you shop online at lightshade.com for pickup or when you visit a light shade location near you, tell them DNVR sent you. We know the issue with the nuggets and the avalanche in the past is no longer an issue because yes, there is Ivaca TV. You've probably seen the commercials already. Well, they are all working together to make sure that in the comfort of your own home, you can get altitude sports with nuggets and avalanche, AT&T Sportsnet. That's where you've been seeing the Avaca TV commercials. You can also get the rapids. It's a great deal right now. Go over to avaca.tv slash DNVR where $25 per month plus the cost of the, of the receiver. There's zero hidden fees or contracts. Your price gets locked in for two years. You never have to worry again about Nuggets, Avs, Rockies, Rapids, even more than that, or getting your DNVR Sports channel on YouTube. All of that is streaming. We've got our very own channel right now on Evoca TV. Go to evoca.tv slash DNVR. And when you're there, also use code DNVR on top of that. And so that takes the $25 per month price down to only $15 per month for your first three months. Wanted to get your take on Thursday's events for Lou Gehrig Day. Obviously, it's a big day around the sport. Second year in in celebrating Lou Gehrig's life uh, and and this this awful disease of, of ALS. But obviously, it hits close to home with with Sam Hilliard here, having lost his father Jim Hilliard last year. And just a, it's a really important day to just kind of stop and and talk about not just the sport, but the people who make up the sport and and the lives and family members. Uh, of everyone that that makes this game that we love so much moving, and so it's 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 a big day in in, in baseball. And so I just want to kind of pick your brain on on what your thoughts are on Lou Gehrig Day. Sports at its highest level has an undeniably wonderful platform to call attention to and help educate people on many topics, and certainly when it comes to health related topics and insidious diseases like Lou Gehrig disease, uh, they can really um, enlighten people and I'm certain they can add a great um, uh, dollars to, to the coffers of these types of diseases that you know, need more money for research uh, in the hope that one day we can uh, eradicate it and turn it around because there, there is no cure for Lou Gehrig disease right now. And so when, when Major League Baseball or any other sports get together and say, hey, this is a day that we're going to call attention uh, upon, whether it be breast cancer awareness, which they do every Mother's Day, prostate cancer awareness uh, on Father's Day, or now the second annual Lou Gehrig Day, um, I, I, I think it's terrific. Yeah, and it's also odd that Given you know Sam Hilliard being around here and uh, essentially his fourth season or part of his fourth season, that this will be his first Lou Gehrig Day to be able to to celebrate that. And, and June second, of course, is the day that that is when uh, the Iron Horse passed away. But uh, it's also that was the first day that his streak started when Wally Pipp of the New York Yankees, you know, had that really bad headache, and lo and behold, this this kid from Columbia University goes over, plays a little bit of first base, and doesn't let go of that that starting spot for the next you know 14 15 some seasons I, I was not aware of that so the the streak started also on June the second it did yeah I, I only recently uh, knew that uh, back in uh, 1925 I, I think it was when when the streak might have started yeah. yeah that's that's fascinating that that he he passed on the same day that the streak began I don't know how yeah. that, that one, uh, how I missed that one uh, through the years but yeah, the, the opportunity to raise money, raise awareness uh, for ALS, tremendous. I mean, there's, there's no downside. There's no downside. And I think it's uh, part of the responsibility of sports leagues at the highest level to be, you know, good community partners. And this is, you know, this is helping out. Uh, you know, people uh, around, hopefully around the globe, but certainly uh, domestically with uh, the, you know, the, the call to action of 
now June 2nd each year. And I'm not, I'm not sure. I, I'm, I know baseball fans know, but you know, if you're not maybe a too hardcore of a baseball fan, you, you might know Lou Gehrig only because of ALS. Cause it is sometimes called Lou Gehrig's disease, but he was an all time inner circle. Great player. I mean, his, his numbers are, you know, we, we talk about how great Albert Pujols is, but his numbers are actually better if you look at wins above replacement uh, for a career. Even if you talk about peak seven years, uh, his numbers are are even better than that. And so was was dominant, was Babe Ruth's right-hand man. I, I don't want to call him the Scottie Pippen to Babe Ruth's Michael Jordan, but you, you have that kind of a connection. Uh, that being if, you know, Scottie Pippen was, you know, of Oscar Charleston's kind of caliber. Uh, Lou Gehrig, just, just a phenomenal player. One of two players. You'll, you'll like this little fun fact and feel free to use it on the broadcast today. Uh, two players in the baseball hall of fame have the same first and middle name. And it's Hank Aaron and Lou Gehrig. Cause Lou Gehrig's first name is Henry Lewis Gehrig. So what was, uh, I'm sorry. So, uh, so it's Henry Lewis Aaron. Henry Lewis Aaron and Henry Lewis Gehrig. Yeah, the only two Hall of Famers with the same first and second name. Shout out to former Rockies historian Paul Parker because that was his trivia question. And I never forgot that. I thought that was a very good one. Yeah. Uh, okay. That's uh, that's nice to know. Yeah, I, I, to going back to your original point, Lou Gehrig's numbers stand on their own. I, I know that, you know, it's kind of like the Batman-Robin thing. It's looked upon with, with Babe Ruth and Lou Gehrig, but... You know, Lou Gehrig's, Lou Gehrig's numbers, Lou Gehrig's records were otherworldly. And just like Babe Ruth's were, you know, Lou Gehrig's one of the all, all time greats. You've heard me describe this before that, um, you know, there, there's the Hall of Fame and then there's like the, the penthouse of the Hall of Fame that you have to have the special code to get into that's reserved for the, the Aarons and the Mays and the Ruth and the Gehrig's. Uh, you know, the world where they're, you know, they're all Hall of Famers. And I'm not trying to diminish anybody that, that gets that call. But, you know, the, there's that select few that, you know, are among the, like we like to say now, the goats, right? And, you know, one of the newer stats that I think people obviously clamor around is is OPS, on-base plus slugging percentage. And you go back to an era which they weren't hitting home runs quite at the same rate uh, as you know they they've been in the last 25, 30 years. But Lou Gehrig third all time in OPS behind Babe Ruth and Ted Williams. So again, that gives you another perspective uh, of how great of a ball player he was. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm excited about you know we we do a lot with it uh, on AT and T, and we'll have a ton of coverage on it with the with the pregame show beginning at five thirty, or excuse me, six o'clock, and. Um, and then the ball game to follow against Atlanta. I'm excited about seeing Atlanta in town. You know, it's wild, Patrick. I know you're up to speed on this, but, you know, for the, for the listeners and the, and the viewers to the podcast, the Rockies are 23 and 27, kind of spinning their wheels after the 16-11 start. It hasn't been great. Finally won a series yesterday against the Marlins. They got seven series without winning uh, a series. Atlanta comes to town, defending world champions. Virtually the same record. They're 24 and 27. And they have a lot of names on that roster, but they haven't been able to put together a stretch. And they find themselves way behind in a division they've won four straight years. They, uh, they're they really looking up at the New York Mets right now in the East. Yeah, we, we can talk about the Mets here in, in a second because they are, they're on a good pace and they're in, they're in some pretty special company when it comes to being so far ahead in the division on June 1st. But yeah, Atlanta's got their, uh, their four big guys, Charlie Morton on, on Sunday. Uh, I think if, if I'm remembering it in order, Ian Anderson on, on Thursday, Max Fried on Friday, Spencer Strider, who's, uh, has been a nice player for him, of course, on Saturday. Uh, and as I said, Charlie Morton on Sunday. So, um, they're, they're going to be bringing their big dogs and it'll be good to see Eric Young senior, of course, and Walt Weiss, in the dugout as well as Salfasano still around Rockies catching legend Salfasano. Good question. I got to see if the, if he's still uh, working for the Braves. That's, that's a good one. I love that staff. Brian Snicker's a really good guy. We all adore Walt. We all adore uh, EY, but that's, that's a good staff. And it's a good story a year ago and that they didn't, uh, 
hit the 500 mark until I think it was August 8th, Patrick, somewhere right around there. They were, you know, they were kind of spinning their wheels and they ultimately won 88 games, which is a nice season, but it's not Dodger-esque or Giant-esque from a year ago. And yet they were the last one standing. Yeah, what, what a season. Hopefully Crone can uh, can impress Snicker because we know he's, uh, he's filling out that lineup card for the All-Star game this summer in Los Angeles. So, hey, you know, an extra good series against Atlanta certainly couldn't hurt. We know you've already heard about the American Raptors rugby team by now if you're listening to the DNVR Rockies podcast, or maybe you know our guy Colton Strickler on the DNVR Rugby podcast, or maybe you've gone to AmericanRaptors.com for some free tickets to all their exciting events. But since you're hip to that, you need to know that Infinity Park right now in Glendale is the place to be on June 11th and 18th. What's going down? Well, the American Raptors are there as four rugby teams from North and South America. Yes, wide ranging. We'll be clashing on the pitch right here in our very own backyard. Argentina and Uruguay take on the American Raptors and Vancouver Ravens in this two-weekend international rugby event. Adults are $10 for your tickets. Kids 12 and under, you actually get in for free. For tickets and match information, make sure you go to infinityparkatglendale.com to experience rugby at its finest and get your tickets with American Raptors, AmericanRaptors.com. $10 for adults, kids 12 and under for free at infinityparkatglendale.com. All right, Drew, you were in Pittsburgh and D.C. I know you went to Old Ebbets Grill. I'm sure you loaded up. Old Ebbet Grill. Old Ebbet Grill with an I, uh, which I learned. Had to do the Google search to find out where it was at. I enjoy looking at maps. I'm a, I'm a big, oh, yeah. big map guy. Yeah. I don't know what that's, that's, a, that's a legendary place. You've heard me talk about it. I was there. I, I always am there at least two late nights. We were there uh, two late nights. And we walked in there on a Thursday, right? Yeah, we were Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, in, in uh, D, or actually Wednesday, too. Now I'm trying to remember. Okay, so Thursday, because we got there in plenty of time Wednesday. But Thursday night, we go to Old Abbott after the, the Rockies Nationals game. So it's not Friday night. It's not a weekend. It's Thursday night. We roll in there. It's about 11 o'clock. There's, a, there's a, uh, still a line, uh, you know, to have dinner. And it's a big place. And we always go around the corner to the back uh, bar around the side. And I mean, that place was hopping. It's still hopping at one in the morning. And uh, I, I just love it. I love the atmosphere. Uh, it, you know, the, you know, the line, if, if the, well, I guess my, my book, right. But if these walls could talk, can you imagine if those walls could talk with all of the uh, politicians and leaders and famous people that have dined there and, and had drinks there and sometimes on a regular basis, and the deals made, the deals proposed at Old Ebbett Grill, literally uh, a stone's throw from the uh, old executive office building and the and the White House. Uh, that, that's one of the reasons I love DC. I mean, every, everywhere you go, it's kind of dripping with history. We've got the 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 great baseball trade that never was right uh, with Tom Yawkey and I'm not sure who was a representative of, of the Yankees at that time, but they had a couple of drinks and they said, okay, Ted Williams traded for Joe DiMaggio. So if that's the kind of craziness that can go down in the world of baseball, you're right in politics, those walls could talk. I don't think we'd we'd really want to hear what they'd have to say. Yeah, maybe, maybe not, maybe not. But um, I, I I love that place. It's. Uh, it's uh, it's always good to be in DC. So you couple you couple the seafood binge with pierogies in Pittsburgh, which apparently uh, Mr. Spielborg's was kind of not very hip to uh, until you kind of put him onto that a little bit, huh? Well, I, I'm not. It's not like I was an expert on, on pierogies either because I was having trouble describing what they were. I will say this, um, uh, you know, a nice, I guess, delicacy. I'm bigger, I'm much bigger, I'm a seafood guy. So like the orca with, you know, lobster and jumbo shrimp and stone crab is more up my alley than than the pierogies in Pittsburgh. But uh, we learned a little bit about pierogies and and, uh, and Spilly devoured a few of those when we were in the Steel City also. Yeah, we we've, we've probably should have checked in on Mike Jasperson and see if he 
ate 100 pierogies. Uh, I don't know if they have quite the same record. I think he's done. But yeah, no, I. I think he's done competitive eating for the year. <laughs> he's retiring on top. He as he should. No, I, I, my, uh, my family, my mom's side of the family comes from that area and still have some family in this like podunk town called Wall, Wall, Pennsylvania. And so yeah, I always ate pierogies like weekends and in the summertime. That that pierogies was a go-to and and tomato sandwiches. That was what uh that was what I lived off of uh, when I was a youth. Do you remember having a good BLT growing up? Did you yes. have some BLTs? Oh yeah, that that was uh, that was a mainstay for sure. Yeah. I'm trying to think of things things I had growing up that I haven't had since. Oh, potato pancakes was another one because I was listening yeah. to the podcast. You were talking about knishes or something like that, and I latkes. was like, well, yes, say, yeah, latkes with yeah, potato pancakes, latkes. My mom would definitely whip up a lot of potato pancakes, and then she's like, "Ah, I don't know if I want to bloody up my knuckles because I mean, you really got to grate those potatoes well if you need to." But potato pancakes, I have not had those in a while, and ooh, they hit spot. Yeah, I, you know, there were there. It, it was usually a couple times a year. Um, I'm trying to think if if my if they were part of our Passover dinner. Certainly. Oh, it, I, you know, somewhere maybe around Hanukkah also one morning there'd be potato, uh, there'd be latkes, which, uh, and also, you know, growing up blintzies. Did you ever have blintzies, cheese blintzies, potato blintzies? Are you familiar no. with those? Uh, blintzies, right? I think. Yeah, blintzies. I could blintzies, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't think so. No, I've, I've heard of them. Yeah. Well, it's kind of like a crepe folded up and inside cottage cheese or, or potatoes. Love it that. Just, you put applesauce on it, heat them up. I, it, in a weird way, it, it doesn't sound good, but it, it definitely feels very close to things I've had. And I'm like, you know what? I'm going to trust that. I probably would really love that. Yeah, you would. Yeah, you would, like, you would. You'd like I th- it. I think it would be delicious. I, I also noticed from listening to uh, last week's Drew Goodman podcast where you're talking with John Miller. I mean, you got to listen to both parts. If you didn't listen to last week, guess what? You you, you might have made a great choice because now you can listen to them back to back and you get you know twice as much John Miller there and a real nice conversation. But the the splash hits in the Allegheny, I hadn't thought about that because you know San Francisco does a really good job, obviously with McCovey Cove there, and you got uh, McCovey Cove Dave out there, and, and and they they live for those splash hits and they, they play it up. But Pittsburgh doesn't do that quite as much, so I thought it was interesting to to learn that you know Todd Helton was actually really the only Rocky who's ever done it. I saw Jeremy Burnett's. I found a list. His name was on it, but it was not in his uh, season with the Rockies. And most of those, you, Patrick, are ba- are bounced in because unlike McCovey Cove, where if, you know, if you pull it and connect, it, it's going to go on the fly into McCovey Cove. Uh, you know, right down the line, it, it's 309 feet. It, it doesn't go out with the rate that they thought it was going to go out anywhere close to it when they built it. And they thought they were doing Barry Bonds a favor. And and really, they weren't. It just with the wind and how difficult it is to hit there. Uh, but with uh, the Allegheny River and PNC Park, I, I want to say, and I mentioned this on the air, I think there's only been five that have landed in the air. Daryl Ward... I think did it twice. Josh Bell's done it twice, I think, because they have this sheet and it's like 64 times it's happened. And in bold print were the five times that it landed in the air. Other times it, you know, it landed on the sidewalk down there, which is a great running area. You'd love it, Patrick. Well, you were just there. So, you know, you can run on the, on the Allegheny and, but they, they land probably on the sidewalk and then bounce in. That's, that's what's happened, you know, 59 times, five times somebody hit it far the you know far enough that they measure it by it was it was five feet to the right of the bu- of buoy number three, which is kind of kind of funny. Yeah, no, that's that, that's an impressive feat, no no doubt. I, I mean, I can remember that a little bit from when they when they hosted the uh, home run derby. I want to say in like 2005, they might have had the All Star game. I know that was uh, it was a big story. Pittsburgh, staying on that topic, did you see that they swept the Los Angeles Dodgers this week? They're hey. five and one against them this this season. That's insane. Look, Patrick, I just wrote in my book, not as you can see this, I'm starting to compile notes for tonight. I just wrote, even though it has zero to do with the Rockies taking on the Braves, but LA was swept by Pittsburgh, I wrote. 
like for the, what for the first time since i don't know what tell me Enlighten get out me. the pen get out the pen 2000 22 years in la they swept the uh, dodgers yeah. i went back but and like, looked at a couple box scores and i thought <laughs> there's like 12 people on the planet that would care who was in that lineup so i i didn't do it but the dodgers you know sheffield and sean green I think they won 88 games. They finished in second place in the NLS. So it wasn't like a big season, you know, for, uh, for the Dodgers that year, but man, that's, that's a rarity. Uh, yeah. Cause the pirates are not great as we know. <laughs> and the fact that they swept the Dodgers speaks to baseball, right? It's true. It's true. Yeah. Look, we, we brought up politics before, so I got to hit you with a real hard hitting question, Drew. Sorry. I got to do it and put you on the spot. The worst commissioner in all of sports has to be Mike Trout, right? After last week's incident between Tommy Pham and Jock Peterson, where we learned IL reserve, the the weirdest, wackiest fantasy football league in the history of the world. And who's the commissioner? Mike Trout. Ah, well, something, something tells me because everything <laughs> I've talked to Trout on a, on a few occasions, I obviously don't know him, uh, Good guy, you know, very approachable from a media standpoint. And everybody that's played with him that I've talked to rave about him as a, a great teammate, tremendously humble. And so he's getting this attention in this, you know, crazy scenario with, with Tommy Pham, who I, I think sounds like he overreacted just a, a tad bit. Maybe. You're right. And, and the Jack Peterson thing, he's probably going to go, you know what, fellas, I don't need attention for being the commissioner of our fantasy football league. Somebody else take this thing on. Yeah. What a story. It, it started off really badly, but uh, I'm glad we've been able to, to enjoy it somewhat. And it's, it, we've had, we've been able to laugh at, hopefully Jack Peterson can laugh at him. I mean, it's a little bit harder. He's on the wrong end of that, of course, but yeah, that, uh, that whole story really, uh, went off the deep end uh, since 1996 you'll you'll be interested to know more than half of the division leaders as of june 1st have gone on to make the postseason and win the division 59 percent and 13 of the last 25 world series winners except 2020 naturally since there was not a june 1st more than half of the last 25 world series winners have been in first place in their division as of june 1st so we're talking. I'm right because you're always a wealth of information. I'm literally writing this note down. I'm going to steal it and regurgitate it later on. So you're saying more than half. What what percentage of the last 25 World Series winners were in first place on June 1st? So 13 out of 25. So oh, you said 13 out of 25. Okay. Do some quick math. That's going to be 52 percent. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Uh, so we got Yankees, Twins, Astros, Mets, Brewers, Dodgers. I mean, they're all looking pretty solid right now. It's hard to hard to pick and say, all right, this team I, I'm going to say is going to stick around and and will finish out as a division winner, and these teams will not. I mean, Minnesota could be the most suspect only because you know the White Sox were the were the big favorite in that division. Milwaukee, not too sure about, but the Mets. Now, uh, this is actually the third time since 1969 when. There were two divisions. Before that, it was just two leagues. That's it. You won the league, you went to the World Series. But this is just the third time since 1969 where both New York teams, Yankees and Mets, have been in first place on June 1st, last time being 2006. And the Mets right now have a 10.5 game lead over Atlanta. And it's tied for the third largest lead as of June 1st. And all of the six previous teams to lead by 10 games or more They've all won the division. So wipe your hands clean of this one. You can lock it up. Mets, they've won the NL East. I, I, w I, wouldn't, I wouldn't say that it's locked up. I, I, the C Cubs fans will remind you of 1969 when they had a, what, a nine and a half game lead, I think, on August 1st or somewhere around there and ended up losing by about the same margin uh, to the Miracle Mets of 69. The Mets are looking really good. And as we know, they're going to get Max Scherzer back at some point and fingers crossed for all of baseball because he's, you know, the joy to watch somebody so great and dominant. They should get Jacob DeGrom back 
uh, hopefully at, at some point. So that's only going to make this team naturally uh, much, much stronger. They went out and they, they spent a lot of money. Um, they've overcome some guys that haven't performed as you thought they would. They just sent Dom Smith down. I saw in the last uh, 24, 48 hours, but you know, the Mets are, the Mets are way out in front, um, which is surprising given how good the team is that's in town right now, the Atlanta Braves, Philadelphia on paper, you think should be better. Uh, you know, when there, when there's not turmoil in Philadelphia around their baseball team, the fans are unhappy. They like turmoil and they have it right now because they have, uh, they've underperformed Washington. We know not a great, uh, you know, baseball team. Miami has good pitching, but you know, not a great baseball team, but you, you thought it would be you know pretty good race with the defending world champs, the Mets and, and an improved Philadelphia roster. And for all the credit we gave San Diego for prying Bob Melvin away from Oakland and saying, Oh man, that actually, actually could be in their, the, been their best transaction, their best pickup. I mean, I think to a degree you, you could almost say that about, Buck Showalter. I mean, I think I'd rather have Max Scherzer than Buck Showalter, but still, I mean, he's he's been doing a fantastic job too. Uh, he, he's he's been successful in the past. Um, he's a creative thinker. Um, he is always well liked in the clubhouse, and so you you can't argue with this. You know his resume, and you certainly can't argue with the kind of success they've had for the for the first couple of months. What'd you say again? Fifty nine percent of teams that are that uh, are in first place on June 1st, make the playoffs Is that what you, or win the division. I mean, that would be correct. Since right. 1996, the first yeah. full season with expanded postseason play. So we, we won't count 95 because of, of the, the work stoppage that got the season started late. So yeah, since 1996, 88 of 150 eventual division winners were already in first place as of June 1st. Gotta love that. All right. I want to talk to you real quick about, uh, this week's part two, John Miller, obviously great. You touch, you touch on this, I think a little bit, let me know what city connect uniforms. I mean, home run triple. What, what was your take on that? When you, uh, those were finally unveiled and you might've even seen them, you know, months ago, but yeah, I think they're going to, they're growing on me. I, I, I think they're unique. I, I like that teams are doing these city connect uniforms. I, I like that the Rockies went out and uh, I'm sure they, you know, this, this wasn't willy nilly. And so the license plate, uh, the colorful Colorado, the different emblems uh, on the uniform, I think we're all well thought out. And I, and I think it'll be even more appealing when we see them in mass, you know, on, on Saturday where 26 guys are wearing them. Um, I, and then they're running around out there you know, the green pants, the white belt. It's cool. It's different. I, I love that. One of the great things, Patrick, it's one of the reasons you and I love this sport is that because it's day after day, it allows for you to get out of the, get out of, you know, you get out of the box a little bit and, and, and think creatively and dress creatively. Um, you know, I, I like that baseball went to the nickname weekend, you know, a few years back. I mean, they, they can do that harder to do in the NFL where you play only 17 games now, um, you know, hockey, basketball. Yeah. You can do some things there because you play 82, but I, I love the fact that, that baseball is being, you know, far more creative uh, now. So I'm, I'm all in on it. I'm all in on the city connect. I, I will say this, that had they come out with the, the, the Colorado state flag, uniforms i would have been like this is awesome also you don't like it i love uh, it. i you know well, I, here, if, it looks, if it looks like colorado state has done it yeah. and done it really well when they wear those uniforms with the helmet and football i mean it stands out uh, as a colorado and it really stands out so you know had they gone that route also it would it would have been great but maybe they decided well let's not go that route because you know colorado state's done that in in football and basketball um, now the last uh, few years. So, you know, I'm in. I think it's been done so much that it would have been like, ah, all right, that, that might have been predictable. But I bet you would have looked fantastic. And, you know, you, you got it, you would have gotten over it pretty quickly. And like, that's still an awesome looking uniform. No, no doubt about it. Um, as you said, baseball, because it's every day, it allows you all of these freedoms. You kind of touch on that with John Miller in, in Thursday's 
uh, newest episode of the Drew Goodman podcast about the conversations that you can have and, and kind of meander and, and you and John Miller talking about, you know, your, your love and appreciation of, of Vin Scully. You know, we, we think of John Miller as being this legendary character and yet that's somebody that, you know, he even looks up to. So uh, it, again, just a, just a fantastic conversation you had this week on the Drew Goodman podcast. You know what I was remiss in not doing is, is having John Miller do his Vin Scully impersonation. Um, and he did it for a tiny bit. Did he do it for, for a half a second there? He did for a little bit. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. yeah. Oh, no, maybe I, you he, did. No, I think maybe you did. Maybe I did, which probably, you know, <laughs> disservice to, to the great Vin Scully. You're going to have to listen to the episode to find out which one of someone did one. I'll say that someone did yeah. a Vin Scully impersonation. Yeah. I got to get John Miller. What is it? It's, it's Vin Scully. I think Spilly told me. I, I got to look this up. Vin Scully. He, he did something in a Vin Scully voice and it was hysterical. I mean, John's a talented guy. John Miller is an interesting guy. And he, he's got a wonderful and distinctive voice also. And, he, and he's a great storyteller. So it's a fun conversation, part two. Yeah, I, I love that, and and hearing you you share those stories of of bumping into Vin Scully in, in the hallway at Coors Field. So uh, worth the price of admission, obviously. Of the Drew Goodman podcast dropping each I got, every Thursday. Yeah, I got. I'll, I'll share one more Vin Scully story that um, it's in my book. I believe it's in in the book that there was there was one time, and he was just. A, I, I've always said this that as great an announcer, and he's the best to have ever done it baseball and he's probably the two, 200 years from now we'll say the best all time is Vin Scully no question uh, and so to to get to know him over the years was was a great you know has been a great joy and he's but I always say he's a finer gentleman than he than he is as a broadcaster which tells you what kind of gentleman he is so one time I'm hustling out of Dodger Stadium this is a few years ago my oldest son was playing in, in Orange County. And so I'm, I'm hustling to get down there and you know, LA traffic, it's going to be a bear. So I'm literally, I'm running to my rental car with my bag and I pass unbeknownst to me as I'm running out of the stadium, I pass Vin is in his, he had a car that, you know, and a driver that always would take him back home. And the car slows up next to me. And the and a window goes down, right? It's like I feel like feel like I was in uh, you know that scene in Pretty Woman where Richard Gere the window goes down. And, uh, so window goes down and it's Vin and he goes Drew. He goes, do you need a ride somewhere? Because he, he sees me running with my bag. I say, oh no, Vin, I'm going to watch my son play. My rental car is right, you know, a couple hundred yards away. I'm good. Thank you so much. He goes, okay. Good luck to your son. <laughs> it's great. That's but, fantastic. Yeah. And coincidentally, he had a three home run day as well. So look, it all comes back around. <laughs> That's it. There you go. There you go. That's it. Drew, this has been great. Uh, follow him on, on Twitter. If you don't already, you probably do, but in case you don't at drew Goodman 42, we are at DNVR underscore Rockies. I'm at Patrick D lions. Don't forget to also follow at the Susie Hunter. This has been great, but you know what they say about momentum it's only as good as tomorrow's show. I almost said podcast. I'm going to go show this time. You can say that and go abs go.